Welcome everybody to episode 58 of the Bolt from the Blue podcast and in the house tonight as usual we have the two other guys that make the Bolt from the Blue podcast possible. First of all Colin Savage. Colin how are you doing? Oh good evening. I'm a bit shattered after yesterday but um, you know soldiering on. And the third member of this uh, triumvirate is Ray from Man City Fan TV. Ray how are you doing? Oh Mike, Mike, Mike. I'm uh, I'm doing very well. Uh, you know, just uh, yeah, just getting over it, man. Uh, from yesterday, just getting over it. Vincent Company, Vincent Company, cometh the hour, cometh the man. All kinds of cliches about this. Let's talk about this game, and we're going to focus exclusively on this game. And uh, let's just talk a little bit about your the circumstances for watching this. Colin Savage, what? Where were you? What were you doing? I was at the stadium watching it in my usual seat. So Fabulous. Um, spent some time with the Waltons in the naughty corner. Uh-huh. Um, I say, watched the game as, as usual. Um, you know, I was a bit nervous beforehand, but nothing terrible. And how about you, Ray? What were you, how were you, what were you, what were you doing in the lead-up to the game? How were your thoughts? Well, I'll get my gripe in early uh, with the Premier League and, and everybody else for changing the day to this game. Uh, because obviously it's uh, fixed for, for the weekend. Um, I planned to come up to Newcastle, which I duly did, and then they changed the date of the game to Monday, and I couldn't get out of the commitment I'd made. I was doing a variety show uh, up in Newcastle, and uh, I, I went on stage with my, my, uh, my team, I think just before the game started, and then after I did my performance, I was sitting in the side, rather than watching the other act, uh, performances, I was on my phone, trying to keep up with this, um, with the you know uh, updates of the game. Very nervous and trying to be, you know, all um, polite and, and everything else, and trying to pretend that I was watching the other performers. And then after the um, we'd finished, I wanted to go off. Obviously, you want to go to the post-match party or whatever. Sorry, the post-show party. But I thought, well, it's still nil-nil. It's half an hour to go. We're not going to score, so I have to go and watch the remainder of the game. Otherwise, we're not going to get this. And fortunate for me, I got there just in time uh, to watch the last half hour. And I can't imagine what people in the stadium were going through because for that half an hour, it was some of the tensest moments watching football for me. And I only watched it for 30 minutes. Oh, my gosh. Yes, uh, it was absolutely. I mean, I think not to put too fine a point on it, pretty much everybody, all of my sort of little buddies on Twitter around the world were 
we're bricking it. It was um, <laughs> Bre- Brendan Rogers and uh, Leicester City, and of course they were in such uh, cracking good form. We were being warned about Jamie Vardy. Let's look at the lineup, guys. Ederson Walker, Company, Laporte, Zinchenko, Phil Foden. Oh my goodness, Gundogan, uh, Silva, Bernardo Silva, Aguero, and Sterling. Were you a bit shocked, Colin, about the inclusion of Phil Foden for such an important game? Uh, yeah, a little, a little bit. Um, I, I know, obviously, our two main, two of our main midfield players, Fernandinho and, and Kevin De Bruyne, are out of action, but um, Foden, I. I I thought was perhaps a little lightweight for this sort of game because Leicester were a, a big set of lads, so I was a bit surprised. But of course, the only alternatives were to either put um, to start Sane or Mares uh, and pull Bernardo back into midfield. Mm-hmm. But then you've got Foden. Basically, you've you've played all your dice, then haven't you? Um, and you've got Foden sat on the bench. So um, hey, you know. Sorry, I was just going to say because I I. I just felt Sane when he starts games hasn't been. Um, it's not been. It's not been good enough. Let's be quite honest about it. And I didn't think Pep would start with Mares. Uh, his favoured front three is Bernardo, Aguero, and Sterling. And I, I just had this feeling that uh, Foden would start just to do something different and and to you know to to tell Sane and Mares that. Well, it's at the end of the season. They haven't booked their ideas up the season. It's now ahead of them. Well, guys, just looking at this Leicester lineup, uh, there were some interesting faces for us all to get a look at. Schmeichel, Ricardo Pereira, of course, the guy that scored a wonder goal against us in the first game um, that we played uh, against Leicester back in December. So Schmeichel, Pereira, uh, Johnny Evans. Thank goodness we didn't get him. Uh, Maguire, Chilwell, who everyone's interested in, Albrighton, Yuri Tielemans, who's on loan and doing very well, uh, Ndidi Chowdhury, he of the massive afro, and uh, James Madison, of course, he was substituted later for Iheanacho, our own Kelichi Iheanacho, and we'll we'll talk about him a little bit uh, uh, later on, but uh, Colin, you were watching that uh, very keenly. How was that first half for you? Was it as... Uh, nerve-wracking for, for you as it was for the rest of us. Uh, yeah, it was quite frustrating, really, because obviously we've seen games recently, but you're thinking about Burnley, uh, the ones of Burnley and Old Trafford, where uh, we've had a very patchy first half, and um, um, this was another patchy first half. But I think there was a bit of a difference here, because Leicester looked very, very good. Um, you know, you look at that Leicester side, and they they have got some good players in there. So, um, and a lot of the time we were giving the ball away, uh, you know, unnecessarily in the in the same way we did at uh, Burnley and Old Trafford. So uh, Leicester were snapping into tackles. They were first to the ball every time. We looked a bit hesitant. Um, tackling was a bit half-hearted. So yeah, it was a bit of a, a, a nervy first half with with few chances. Basically, I mean. There was one for Foden and one for Aguero. But yeah, it was a, a bit of a nervy first half. Yeah, Ray, you were saying, as of, of course, that you were otherwise engaged, but you've watched the game again since, I believe. Yeah. And uh, how did you feel about that first half and what was notable about it for you? Uh, the first half, yeah, there was probably Colin has said, there was mistakes again, like in other games. Sloppy passing, overhit passing, um, some a lot of what felt like poor shots. Uh, poor decision making, um, and 
it, it, you know, obviously you, you'd expect there to be some nerves. There's no way, you know, with two games to go with all the pressure, Liverpool winning, that the lads haven't uh, been feeling um, some nerves at the, in, at the start of games. I think generally my feeling is as a half war on, they probably got rid of some of the nerves, some of the early nerves, but it was disappointing. You know, we had a, a few opportunities, but nothing really great. And, and the, I think the nerves and the sloppiness, if I'd watched it if I'd watched it live, would have really got to me. I think the first few minutes summed it up, because we started off reasonably well. Um, and Leicester were executing what I call a medium block. So they weren't pressing against the, the, the defence, but they were, they were sitting back about you know, 20, 30 yards uh, and making it difficult to get the ball into the midfield. And uh, as I say, they were, when we did get the ball in, they were tackling very, very well. But um, and then there was that one of those trademark moments where I can I can't remember who it was, what exactly happened, but we we did something stupid. We gave the ball away when we didn't need to, and that set off that early bit of Leicester pressure where they had a couple of uh, decent opportunities and company had to block. So um, and again, you know, it's the pattern of the. The Spurs game was the same, where they were only making, only creating anything when we gave it to them. And um, and as Ray mentioned, that we were doing some ridiculous shots. There was one from Kyle Walker, which ended up in the second tier of the South Stand. <laughs> well, it had not. What? That Kyle Walker's shot, sorry, was nearly as bad as Maris's penalty, and that was atrocious <laughs> against Liverpool. Yeah, guys, we did. Yes. We, we, was was there anything that you would describe as as, as a clear cut chance for City? Or for Leicester in that first half? The, the, the one that hit the bar on 31 minutes where uh, uh, Aguero headed it and Schmeichel pushed it against the crossbar. Mm-hmm. And we've had that, uh, you know, it was it was one of those moments where it, it, it was a, obviously a few inches from going over the line. And uh, I was thinking to myself, by millimetres twice this season um, to, to help us to get, maybe, you know, are we going to get, it could have been our comeuppance this time where the decision uh, review system would have worked against us um, with that uh, save by Schmeichel. Um, apart from that, there wasn't really, I don't think there was much going on in that first half in terms of exciting chances. Mm-hmm. What did you think, Colin? Uh, yeah, there was one that Foden had earlier, Sean. Cal uh, Walker uh, managed to actually get a ball on target and Foden had made a, which he's so good at, making these clever runs between the defenders. And there was a big gap, I think, I can't remember, between the two central defenders, between uh, one of the defenders and the fullback. Uh, or, or, I mean, Leicester were playing a three, really a three, uh, three five two, weren't they? A five three two. Uh, and Foden made that run, and Kyle Walker found him beautifully. But Foden had to kind of swivel and, and get the shot in. And it wasn't a bad attempt, but it, it was always going to be a difficult one to score. And there was the, obviously the Aguero one. Uh, as Ray mentioned, uh, Leicester had that early one where I think it was Chowdhury's shot and company blocked it. And th- uh, there was a couple of others like that. But uh, you wouldn't say there was anything. Uh, there was a lot of, particularly early on, um, I think Brendan Rodgers had done his homework because um, I think Albrighton, I think, was up against um, Zinchenko. And Zinchenko tended to come in a bit close. So Albrighton had worked out if you get the ball over his head, he can get past him. And that happened two or three times. So that was a bit nerve-wracking, but we managed to defend quite well against that. So I think, um, you know, nil-nil at half-time was probably about the right result. Yeah, Ray, what, how, what, how do you feel about the difference between Cloud Puel's Leicester and, and Brendan Rodgers' uh, Leicester? What's he done for them? Um, I think 
was obviously giving them a, a little bit of belief. I mean, obviously, the results have shown that. They're, they're a bit more positive. Vardy gets the start. I think that's a huge difference for Leicester having Vardy starting games rather than, than being on the uh, on the sub, subs bench because Vardy is a huge threat. His pace, you know, uh, it's, I, I mentioned a little bit of social media here, uh, but Jamie Jackson uh, said when company was um, in the starting lineup, uh, Jamie Jackson, he of uh, the Guardian, I believe, um, and he said that you know he was. Uh, saying that company was going to struggle and he was looking basically looking forward to see Vardy taking on company I mean that's how dangerous Vardy can be and thankfully um, he wasn't really at the races uh, good old Jamie Vardy so yeah they're they're more I think they're more of a threat now with Rodgers and I think they'll be more of a threat next season Um, you know they're they're, they're nudging around the 7th 8th spot they may be good enough to challenge with a couple of more additions, uh, for the, even for the top six, the way uh, our quiet neighbours are going uh, in the last couple of seasons uh, down the table. Um, so, yeah, he's, 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 he's made a positive difference to Leicester. What do you think about that, uh, Colin? Do you feel that oh, he's improved? Yeah, I, well, I always said about Claude Puel that what is he trying to do? You, you couldn't see any sort of style you know, there was no theme to the way Leicester were playing under him. And you couldn't, if someone said, describe Claude Puel as a manager, what's his philosophy? I couldn't have told you because there didn't seem to be any. You know, he wasn't a part of the bus merchant. He, he wasn't really playing free-flowing attacking football. Uh, th- there was nothing I could see about what what they were doing under Puel that, that gave me any hint as to what he was as a manager. Now, of course, Regers is a different kettle of fish. Uh, he is a very good coach. I mean, City were interested in him at one point, uh, and you can see why. And he's he's really made them into a very... Uh, they've got some good players in the various positions. He gives them a little bit of belief. He's got a, you know, a good system. He plays football the right way. That they were committed. They would say they were snapping into tackles. They were getting there first. You know, the level of commitment and intensity they showed was incredible. And when he's had a summer to work with them, uh, as Ray said, I, I've said, I've also said, um, if Manchester United carried on the, their current trajectory, then uh, Leicester, well, Leicester and potentially Wolves, and then you've got Everton and West Ham potentially looking at um, snapping into one in, into those top six places. May it be so. May it be so. <laughs> um, uh, Ray, were there any standout performances uh, for you on either side in that first half? Not really. <laughs> Certainly not from City. I thought Charity was good. Uh, Thielman's yeah. is a classic player. Uh, and they were very solid at the back. Pereira was good. But did we really? I've got to ask you then. Did we really test them? I mean, they were they were set up to defend with what you said, Colin, with five at the back. Did we really, really test them? Did they have to show much of their metal? I think Bernardo was the Sterling was having a bit of a thin time. Yeah. On 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 the left hand side where I sit, um, but Bernardo seemed to be having some success on the other side. We weren't getting much through the middle. And I think well, one of the things that Silver and Foden were completely ineffectual. Um, Foden was just getting muscled out, and Silver was coasting through the game a little bit. We're, you know, we're not seeing what we expect to see from David Silver. We didn't, we didn't see it um, last night. Um, so, you know, we weren't creating that. You know, we, we rely so much. David Silver, Kevin De Bruyne, we rely so much on them to create stuff. And there was one telling moment um, earlier in the first half when Silver had the ball out on the left and he tried to play in Sterling and he hit it 
miles too hard. Yeah. And you think of all the players you would expect to put a pinpoint perfectly weighted pass in, it would be David Silva. And that pass kind of summed up his recent struggles in the last few months of this season. You know, you'd have put your house on him uh, making that pass, but it was miles too hard and went out of play. And we've seen that a few times from him. So we weren't really... Uh, everything we were trying to create was coming down the flanks. Sterling wasn't having a great deal of success. Bernardo was having a little. Um, and it, it was really kind of worth throwing crosses in. Uh, I'd say Leicester were a big unit. Maguire, Johnny Evans and, and, and the full-backs and the midfield guys. Uh, and we're just having no success at all. And uh, once again, Ray, it seems that every time Man City get a corner, I don't know about you, but I kind of like sigh and wonder, really, what's, what, the, what, what's the point? Were you feeling the same? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's not been any point in City Corners for a very, very long time. I don't know what the stats are, um, how long it's been since we scored directly for, from a corner. If there's one huge weakness for us going for, uh, in an attacking sense, it's that inability to make use of crosses in, uh, into the box from a corner. Uh, I'm far happier when we do a short corner routine because I just feel that's there's more of a chance uh, for us to get to the byline or pass it around and create that way. Hitting that cross into the into the box is uh, pretty futile. And, and to be honest, I don't even know why the bo- uh, defenders bother to come up anymore because most of the uh, uh, crosses from corners don't even get anywhere near them. So what's the yeah. point? What's the point of dragging your your backside up into their box? And it's just a waste of time because you're just going to trudge back and jog back. I don't know what we're doing on the tr- uh, training ground why we're not practicing uh, corners. And if we are practicing, then get rid of the guy who's um, the, the corner coach because it's a total uh, waste of time. Very, very ineffective. What do you think about that, Colin? Yeah, well, funny, we were having this discussion at the game last night about corners. And obviously putting a ball in to, you know, someone to head it in is uh, a waste of, waste of time because we never, as Ray said, we never find the defender's heads. But what, 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 so the, the two alternatives, and one of these we did last night was uh, you put in a corner to the near post and hope someone gets yeah. someone gets a flick on and disrupts it. Or we were playing the corner in uh, and notice this as we went through the game. Um, we, we would only put about uh, th- four players into the into the box and we'd have all the others outside. Uh, 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 what we were doing and we'd have someone on the D picking up the, the second ball coming out and that that was our tactic and it actually worked quite well. Although we never made anything from it. But we were actually getting possession of the ball in a decent area from a corner, although albeit not directly from the corner. Well, guys, uh, we went into the uh, halftime break nil-nil, and this feels a very, very familiar routine, Ray, doesn't it, where we're looking for Pep to provide some inspiration or some kind of uh, tactical switch or change so that the second half uh, will be more fruitful than the first. And I guess... Uh, we had to wait about 10 minutes or so before the first change, and that was um, the end of the little spell by Phil Foden, and on comes Leroy Sane. Did that bring um, a noticeable difference for you? Well, Leroy Sane is always dangerous. You know, he's always got that potential. Um, sometimes he delivers, sometimes he doesn't. So he's he's got that threat, and you tend to find that the, the wide men, the wide defender uh, for the opposition is certainly more cautious. Um, you know, I, I've not watched the, the full second half. He, w- I think it was more effective early on after he came on. Late on, I find him, sadly, to be giving the ball away, to be uh, 
lackadaisical. And I was actually watching a, um, some of the second half with a, an American friend of mine. And uh, after I corrected him, you know, he said, what are you watching? I said, I'm watching the football. And he said, oh, no, that's soccer. No, no, I had to, I had to put him in his place. Um, you know, these uh, ex-colonials just don't get it. And, um, you know, it, it was... Um, I can pick that up, actually. Because, as we said, it's a typical scenario in these last few weeks where we've gone in and Pep's changed a few little things uh, and it's we've come out and looked better. And, and last night, obviously, when Sane came on, I think we all assumed that Bernardo would drop back uh, uh, into midfield with um, David Silva and Gundogan. But actually, did we? We actually played four-two-four last night. Bernardo stayed out on the right wing, Sane on the left. Sterling moved a bit centrally, and Aguero was obviously playing central. And uh, and we did start to actually to exert a large measure of control. I, I, I will say at one point I was saying get Sane off, get him off, because I remember Pep was very angry with him as well, uh, just outside our box when I talk about being lackadaisical, um, giving the yeah. ball away, and you know. At that time, I'd seen him make a few mistakes, and I was thinking, you know, so what if he's been come on a sub? You've got to take him off, put on whoever is on the bench in a, in a, uh, with a defensive capacity, because at that point we were winning. Um, you know, get John Stones and get Artemendi on, get somebody who's going to defend, because, um, you know, you can't have, no matter how good he is, you can't be giving that ball away. Um, you know, whether it was <coughs> nerves coming through or, you know, um, Sani was actually. It turned into uh, quite a poor performance towards the end. I'm not sure, but yeah, I was um, screaming blue murder, and I'm, I'm I'm generally reasonably calm if nervous, but I'm not one to f and blind. Um, but you know, I was getting a bit hot under the collar um, towards the end of that game. Colin, we got a good look at uh, both um, Maguire and Chilwell, people that have been linked with us. What did you think? Uh, they both look. Um, Chilwell, uh, I'm not 100% sure about. I mean, Maguire is a good English defender. Uh, he, he, he played solidly in defence. Uh, Chilwell did well enough. I mean, um, he, he kept Sterling under control, mm-hmm. I think, pretty well. So defensively fine. Didn't see much of him going forward. Um, Maguire had that great one forward later on in the game where he took the ball out of defence uh, and Gundogan, you know, it, it would have been more, more effective to blow on him uh, compared <laughs> to the effort he put into trying to tackle him. But, and that wasn't the only time he did that. So, yeah, they, they look quite... So they've got a really, uh, a really really solid unit. But I think we were... We were, we were the, the 4-2-4 was allowing us to put them under a lot more pressure, which was starting to tell. Yeah, I, I, the, the, the definitely, there's no doubt about it that, um, you, you know, there was a wave after wave of City attack. It was, it was, it was building up. The goal you felt was coming. You just, uh, there was no way to predict really, Ray, where this goal was going to come from. And it came from the most of un- unexpected of sources. <laughs> I mean, I just couldn't believe that. I, I mean, as he was lining up for this, um, Vincent Company, I was already, you know, looking into Rose Ed and seeing which particular spectator it was going to pick out. But that was, uh, then, you know, within two minutes, I was um, in hysterics rolling around the floor. <laughs> well, well did, 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 did this take you as much by surprise as, as it did me, Ray? It was, when you saw it was company, you thought, company doesn't take shots out. So it was totally unexpected. Even though, you know, the, the, the Leicester players weren't uh, approaching him, they were letting him stroll through. 
when he hit it, I actually thought he'd missed um, because I was expecting him to miss. I actually thought he'd missed, and then suddenly the the, you know, the crowd went berserk, and the, I could see then the ball moved across the goal after it had gone in, um, and I, I I could scarcely believe it. That's why I thought he'd missed because I I was expecting it. Um, and and it's Vincent Company, man. He doesn't. It just doesn't do that. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, just before that, of course, Aguero had had that chance. Uh, the ball had been played through, and Johnny Evans looked like he was going to get it, and somehow missed it. Went under his foot, uh, and he came to Sergio, who kind of flicked out a leg, uh, and Cashfish Michael actually had to flick out his leg to stop it, and he went out for a corner. Uh, and at that point, I thought, this, you know, I, I saying to the people around me. Uh, you know, I, I've just got no feeling that we're going to... I've got the feeling we're not going to score tonight. And, and then, of course, a few minutes later, uh, from the corner, um, I mean, Childrick cleared the ball upfield. We brought it back. Laporte was stood there looking to his left, and he looked a couple of times, and then he kind of looked to his right, and then looked to his left, it was looking like he was, you know, practising the green cross code. But then he played the ball, and I thought that... Uh, when I watched it on TV, I thought it was going out to, going out to Walker, where I... Uh, sit. I could see company running onto the ball, and he, you know, I just thought company's going to pass it back to him or pass it to Walker. And he took a couple of strides forward, <laughs> and and Matt, the guy who sits next to me, said, "Oh, for God's sake, don't shoot!" And then, you know, five seconds later, the back of the net is bulging. Oh, and we're just going absolutely crazy. I mean, he has never done anything like that before for us. It's not as though he's got a bit of a habit of having a, a shot on him from thirty yards, but. And it was so perfect. It sort of curled round Maguire's shoulder and curled into the top corner of the net. And Schmeichel had no, absolutely no chance of getting to it. And uh, it was just a complete. I mean, there were obviously two sens. There were a number of sensations. One is the sheer relief at having scored, the excitement of having seen a, a real wonder goal, uh, and the shock that it was company <laughs> who'd provided it. So uh, it was just incre- an incredible moment, uh, and, and it will go down as one of the great all-time great goals. And uh, Twitter reacted uh, in a very funny fashion. Within about 10 or 15 minutes, you had that goal being set to Alan Partridge commentary, <laughs> where, where, where he says he's got a foot like a traction engine, and then you, <laughs> you, you had it set against um, the Titanic music, yeah. with Celine D- Dion warbling in the background. And uh, yeah, I think there was this just general feeling of disbelief all over the world. I mean, company said he's done that in training. I'm sort of a bit suspicious yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. I was going to say one of the best uh, moments uh, after the game that uh, the, the little highlight was when company was uh, taking the shot. You could see this man in grey walking up the park. Yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah. That was so funny. That the park. What a moment to miss. Liverpool winning four three. Liverpool four three. Yep. Guys, um, sorry, j- could you just uh, update me on that? What, what, what is going on there? Four 0 Liverpool. Four 0 Liverpool. The miracle is happening, is it? Yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness! And the, the, just the, over ten minutes to go. And this is without uh, Salah and without Firmino. Yep. Oh my Barcelona gosh. Barcelona have been awful. Oh my gosh! So uh, uh, I guess all of our, you know, Vinnie Company stories are going to get drowned out by the the heroics that. Uh, at, at Anfield, but anyway, guys, we'll keep you updated as we go along. But yeah, Ray, that was so very, very funny. They they slowed that down, and you saw this shadowy figure <laughs> in the in the background, just heading out. You know, missing that goal completely. But um, one thing I thought was very, very funny, Colin, was um, uh, Vinny's uh, post match comments where he said, 
I'm not, these, these young fellas around me, you know, telling me not to shoot. I mean, it was almost as if he was saying that the day that I'm going to be told by a couple of youngsters when and when I cannot shoot. <laughs> well, yeah. well, of course, there was that funny scene afterwards with Aguero saying, I say you no shoot, <laughs> or whatever, whatever the words he said. And, uh, yeah, it was just the last person you expected from. And considering the state of the shooting that had been going on, I think Gundogan had got one reasonably close to the target. Um, but, you know, no one else had got anyone got anywhere near, apart from that Aguero kind of flick when Johnny Evans let the ball go past him. No mm-hmm. one was getting anywhere near the target. So, you know, if it had come from you know, David Silva, from Aguero, from Sane, from Sterling, from Bernardo, uh, Gundogan, anyone like that, uh, even maybe even Kyle Walker, you know, has got a bit of a shot at him. We've seen Jinchenko. But, you know, c- company. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, quite a quite a nice line, Ray, from Gary Neville, uh, where he said, uh, "Where do you want your statue, Vincent?" And I think that that was quite a quite a nice piece of commentary. And it's I think... quite, quite funny. With, uh, some of the Everton fans they've uh, mocked up um, the the next season shirt, and uh, on the back it says "Number Four Company," and they got a statue of Vincent Company outside Goodison Park. Yeah, so I <laughs> and of course. It's almost seven years to the day since he scored another memorable goal. You know, so so two goals seven years apart. Of course, his his uh, winner against United back in two thousand and twelve, mm-hmm. which was a little bit more conventional. Vinnie Company, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, close range header, and of course that one yesterday. Very similar ce- celebrations. Vinnie does a good celebration, Colin, doesn't he? He does. He does a very good celebration as well, <laughs> Vinnie. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, guys, did you feel, I mean, I, I felt that there was a second coming. I mean, it, it, it just felt like that didn't quite come off. But uh, were you feeling the same thing, uh, Ray, that a second was on the way? It looked like it looked like we could get a second, but there were some nervy, nervy moments from us as well. Uh, Vinny slipped up at one point and managed to recover. Uh, and Leicester started to press us higher uh, with the, uh, usually four men. Um, and we were... Still passing it around at the back, but it, it, you know, there were moments where I was I was concerned um, because they had, by that stage they had nothing to lose, so they were they were going for it. Uh, but you always thought, you know, maybe I'm a, I'm a, I've been a city for forty five years, so you still don't take anything for granted. And thankfully, once a blue, always a blue. Hey. And Nacho did uh, did us a big big favour, showed us uh, that the twenty five million pounds we got for selling him to Leicester was probably about £24 million too much. <laughs> and he put a very, very nice chance well wide. And, and and when he did that, I thought, that's probably going to be their last chance. And uh, we should be able to uh, you know, see this home. Uh, Colin, that's interesting, isn't it? Because when Ian Atchell played for us, he had this uh, ridiculous uh, shots-to-goals ratio. And yeah. uh, when he was through it, on goal there, you were thinking, oh, my gosh. It's the immutable law of the X, and here we go. And uh, it was quite a pitiful effort, wasn't it? Well, um, he should never have got it, because again, I mean, Gundogan had, overall, Gundogan had a, a, a pretty good game, I thought. But there were a couple of games, that, that run of Maguire's where he just stood off him. Mm. And um, that goal came from a, a run by Chowdhury. Gundogan should have should have won that tackle. But, you know, um, Chowdhury showed miles more commitment to it than Gundogan did and it was a great ball to win Acho but I think to be uh, and, and, and we'd made a number of mistakes defensively so um, Zinchenko would let him run 
Uh, and Laporte had been pulled out of position. I'm not sure what Laporte was doing, but he was well out of position. Zinchenko had let Chowdhury go, maybe thinking Laporte was going to pick him up. So, you know, we made a few mistakes in that, but I think it was a harder chance than possibly it looked because he had to take it first time. Um, and, and, and to be honest, it was still better than most of our shots, apart mm. from uh, apart from companies. Yeah, earlier, of course, there was that uh, shot by Madison that whistled uh, its way past the post. Um, so they did have a couple of uh, good chances in that game. But City, I, I thought City sort of saw the last uh, 20 minutes out reasonably, uh, comfortably rather. We had the the, the usual uh, corner flag routines. Um, <laughs> that uh, Yeah, it, 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 brought, it brought so much back to mind, the game against uh, Manchester United. Uh, was it, it was last season, of course, wasn't it, where they were playing cat and mouse with the United defenders. We saw it out, 1-0, and uh, guys, this puts us in the box seat. And we've got the game against Brighton. Liverpool have got the game against Wolves. Brighton don't give you any fears at all, do they, Colin? Well, um, <laughs> well I mean, you think... We played them there last season. It was the first game of the season. And... Um, they made it hard for us for about, you know, 65, 70 minutes in that game. Um, they defended quite well. But because you'd expect that team playing the first game in the Premier League, um, you'd expect them to be full of energy, full of running, you know, full of commitment. And they were. And they were very resolute in the... I mean, we weren't great at Wembley in the Cup semi-final, of course. There's a danger. I mean, we should be. We should be more than good enough to beat Brighton with what we've got. I mean, Ray, Ray Brighton are home in the hose. They've got nothing to play for. They shouldn't really rain on our parade too much, should they? Well, I mean, you can argue that Brighton have got nothing to play for. Wolves have got nothing really to play for. They've got that seventh spot. It's only pride that these teams are playing for. But, you know, you could argue when we played Burnley, they had not really that much to play for. And we, we, we scraped home there. Um, and for so long, you can't take anything for granted. Yes, we should have uh, Brighton, and I'd like to think that you know, we we'll, we we'll look at this game in in total isolation, you know, um, because there's only one more game that's the FA Cup final. This is uh, by far the most important of the two, um, and I think our guys will um, give everything uh, for the full ninety odd minutes of the game uh, and not look beyond it. And I, I, you know, I don't think we'll get the same. Played that we've had in some games where we get the lead and we just hold it, and uh, because we know we've got another game in three days' time. Once again, we know we've got a, a, a week before the next <laughs> game, uh, but never take anything for granted. For granted, we'll work hard, we'll prepare hard. Uh, Brighton will uh, no doubt uh, defend resolutely. I don't think they'll change their way of playing just because they're safe and it's the last game of the season. And I, I think we're going to have to once again work hard to break them down. Colin, did you see that extraordinary piece of footage where they showed uh, Kelly Dalglish and her guests in the BBC yeah. uh, studio when the goal went in? What did you think of that? And why did they put that out there? What were they trying to elicit by I, that? I don't know what they were trying to. You know what they were trying to do because um, obviously it was um, Kelly Cates, uh, and you know you weren't <laughs> had a, a Twitter exchange with Rory Smith, who's a journalist I really like, and I met Rory, he's a really nice guy. And, and he would say, well, you know, what What did you expect? Uh, and to be fair, he's right. You wouldn't expect Kelly, uh, Kenny Dalglish's daughter to, to do a Sergio Aguero and run around the studio swinging a blouse over her head. Chris Sutton and um, Don Hutchison, weren't they? We both had um, Liverpool connections. The, the, the other thing, um, what Rory was saying, well, it occurred to me, they couldn't have seen the goal. They, 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 might, they, they got a delay 
he thinks they may have had a delay on a screen, but probably they were listening to the commentary, mm-hmm. the, the five live commentary. So it's entirely possible they didn't see the goal. So, but, you know, it, why put that out there? What was the point? I mean, all right, you know, City, City scored a goal. They're all sat there a little bit stony-faced. Um, why would you put that out? But that, that's the BBC, isn't it? Yes, but uh, uh, look how much mileage, look how much mileage I got on Twitter. That's why they put it out. I think that's what what you call being uh, trolled, guys. That's but um, reason they did it. Well, I think it was, yeah. I think it, that was the BBC's point. I mean, because um, Match of the Day put out this tweet about something about uh, when we won at Burnley and they put a picture of Brendan Rodgers and said, your turn next, you know, we're relying on you next or something. Well, you know, that's the BBC, so... I th- you know, I think we were being trolled a little bit there. When, when you compare the scenes there to the Sky Studio back yeah. in 2012, you know, where the guys are jumping up and down, and, and you've got it, Phil Thompson, who played for Liverpool, obviously, you know, for, for many years. Even Phil Thompson was was kind of jumping up and down, but obviously it didn't affect Liverpool. So, yeah. um, you know, there's a bit of a difference. But, you know, the, the excitement of the moment, you know... Um, yeah. Well, well, guys, I, I mean, as absolutely extraordinary as that goal was, I think the narrative about Vincent Company and his heroic goal is going to be overshadowed because, um, uh, guys, uh, of course, we're we're doing this uh, live, and, and there's something really quite extraordinary going on. I'm looking at my screen, and as Colin alluded to uh, earlier, it's Liverpool four, Barcelona nil. Might be, might be five now. Um, well, I'm just looking. Well, I'm just uh, saying it's ninety plus one, four nil, uh, and the goals have come from uh, equally unlikely sources. Two goals from Origi and two goals from Wijnaldum. So their their best players aren't even on the pitch, and it looks like Barcelona have bottled it. I mean, this is absolutely incredible, isn't it? And of course, this is going to dominate the the headlines in, in ways that we have never even imagined, isn't it, Colin? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I mean, I said after the first leg when someone said, oh, you know, we don't want them to give up hope. Uh, we don't want Barcelona to score too many. They've been awful. They've yeah, been absolutely yeah. awful. Um, we said we don't want Barcelona to score too many uh, and dishearten them because, we you know, we still want them to, we don't want them to put the heart and soul into the Newcastle game. And I said 2-0 was not enough because at 3-0, and I was kind of being semi-tongue-in-cheek here, 3-0, the Scousers would still have some hope. That, that they would get something. The thing is, the way I was feeling with that game, I and Barcelona had the chances to get the fourth, yeah. okay? And I thought to myself, they need it. Because I, I thought back to when City played Monaco and we beat them 5-3 and we should have got a sixth goal. And we should have beat them 6-3. And 6-3 to me, that game's over. They're not coming back from that. We'll score a goal and, and the game's gone, you know? And it wouldn't have been, would it? Felt- I just felt they didn't get enough goals. I just felt Barcelona didn't yeah, yeah. get that far fall because their defence is poor and under pressure. He, you know, and if they crack once, they can crack twice and uh, thrice. And uh, well, well Liverpool, Liverpool will put you under pressure. Yeah, this is incredible, guys. It's uh, ninety plus two showing on on my BBC screen. And yeah, so let's get back. Let's get back to to, to the main business of the Premier League. Yeah, we should. We should. And one thing is very interesting, guys. I mean. I mean, uh, normally we have a little bit of... I know you guys don't like to talk too much about transfer um, uh, gossip, but this, this Bruno Fernandes thing really looks like it's happening. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's being reported by multiple sources, and you just wonder, is that the end of Gundogan? Because um, that's the only reason I could think why that 
you know, they'd want him, Ray. What do you think? Well, if, you know, um, the, the Chapman scored, was it, 30 goals this season? Yeah. Well, double figures in assists. Yeah. Um, he's, you know, unless he's just having a one-season wonder, but that is an incredible one-season wonder uh, with, with those stats. We just don't know. There's so many rumours around City at the moment. There's the rumour that David Silva's going to uh, go to Japan. Yep. I don't know where that came from a few days ago. Uh, there's a rumour that Vincent Company played his last home game for City. Um, there's so much guff at the moment. You know, we already heard that nine up to nine players were leaving. Add these two in as well. That's half the squad is apparently uh, leaving. Depends on what the source you read. Um, honestly, I'm, I'm going to take a lot of it with a pinch of salt because um, you know there's no way all this is going to happen. There's too there's too many players that we're linked with, you know. So we've been talking about um, us getting uh, Sol Niguez. That seemed to be done, uh, you know, a very strong uh, strong talk uh, about uh, one or two other uh, defensive midfielders in you know, in multiple different uh, media. We're not going to buy three or four players for one position. So somebody, if not all of them, have got to be way off the mark. So I can't take um, anything that uh, you know that most of the media outlets say uh, at face value. It's just not true. Um, until he's signed, sealed, and delivered, um, he's not ours. Although, uh, Colin, it is true, isn't it, that um, if we do win this title, and of course we're we're just very very close to it now, the squad will need a bit of refreshing. I, I would imagine that um, you know uh, going into a, a third title challenge and going in with Pep and as intense as he is there's got to be a few uh, fresh faces in there otherwise this could uh, could become a little bit uh, tedious winning these championships uh, one after the other couldn't it <laughs> well I'm not sure it'll ever get tedious to be honest but um, um, yeah I mean I think Ray said it I mean um, David Silva I don't know I'm not I'm not even sure he'll be here next season although that's his last season He's, uh, as we said earlier, talking about the game, he's just not the David Silva we we know no and love. Um, and people said he had a better game at the uh, derby. But I, I didn't think he was. I, I was there watching it live. So it, it's always a different game when you're watching it live. You're not watching on TV. Uh, I, I didn't think he, he was better, but I didn't think he was. I still didn't think he was fantastic. So, uh, you know, uh, unless he just needs a summer to, to kind of freshen up again. For one last season, I, I, I think if he's still here, he's a bit part player um, next season. You know, we, we've issues at the back. Uh, uh, you know, Zinchenko is doing an okay job at left back, but um, the last few games, Burnley and, and last night, he, he wasn't fantastic. You know, uh, and we've, there's very much this question mark about Mendy, and we've talked about his record before. You know, can we get a full season out of him, and who do we get to replace him? Um, this talk of Danilo, who was a, a, a great utility type player who can play uh, left back right back center defense defensive midfield um him going off the, the talk about Otamendi going seems to be you don't know whether it's kind of um chicken and egg so are we clearing the deck so we can get people in so, yeah so because obviously the, the squad size is limited we've got our maximum foreign squad um, Zinchenko was always one we thought would be um, going, but but he's not. Well, it doesn't look like he is, um, and, and he's unfortunately because of the way the um, UEFA and Premier League rules work, he missed out by about six uh, seventeen days um, for being a homegrown player. 
Mm-hmm. So if his mm-hmm. birthday had been his birthday December the fifteenth, if his birthday had been uh, you know three weeks later in January, he'd have been homegrown now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So 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 he's now taking one of the seventeen uh, well foreign free spots that that we've got. So um, because we've all said haven't we we've made mistakes when we've won the title in the past and not strengthened properly. So I think I think we've got to do that this time. We've got players coming to the end of their. You know, useful lives, say Fernandinho, Otamendi, David Silva, uh, company. Does company get another year or, or, or for, for his 20 games, the 20 games he'll play? Um, so, so yeah, I think, I think we, we should be looking at freshening up the squad. Um, no, not, not a major rebuild, but getting some, you know, getting some new faces in. Um, Ray, just, just something that's been bugging me, I'll just, I'll just roll, roll it past you. Do you ever think we'll see Bravo again? Um, I, I said, uh, I'd be surprised. I really would be surprised because when you look at it, um, he's a, he was a good number two. I've had no problems with Bravo as being a, a number two. Um, my feeling was we've got a lot of exciting young keepers. We've got, um, was it Zach Stefan from, come from America? We've got, I forgot his name now, the kid that came from uh, Ireland. We got a, a few in. We've got Murich, who I expect to go out on loan. I can't see them all going out on loan. I was expecting Zach Steffen to come in and be a number two. Uh, Bravo is, if I'm right, he's about 37 years old now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my feeling is, is he too old um, to be a number two? You know, y- you can't. There's very few top class keepers who get to the age of 40. Uh, I think Buffon is, but very rarely. I mean, you've seen the decline of uh, Peter Cech, for instance, who's his mid-30s. Um, and I just think Bravo's too old, you know, and you don't know what it's going to be like after his injury to stay at City. His contract's um, over, um, and I can see us letting him go to free up a, a non-homegrown or foreign spot um, for next season. Okay, well, guys, listen, that's all I've got uh, written on my piece of paper. Are there any other little points that you'd like to make, uh, starting with Colin? No, I don't think so. Um the club are putting on a, I'm not sure if you've seen, the club are putting on a screening of the Brighton game yeah. at, the, uh-huh. at the ground on um, Sunday. Um, and um, demand, uh, it was going to be in City Square. Demand seems to have been so heavy that um, they're potentially looking at moving it either inside the main stadium or the um, academy stadium, uh-huh. which would be good. Where will you guys both be on on that Sunday? Starting with Ray. Ray, what will you be doing? Will you be there? Um, no, I won't be able to go because uh, it's, it's, I've had some issues, family issues, and um, and I've got to spend uh, my wife's working away, so I've got to spend it with my family. So, uh, good thing not to be able to uh, go to Brighton to watch the game, but uh, I think everybody appreciates family comes first. And so, I'll be probably just tempted just to watch it on my own. Uh, I don't really, you know, with the tension that can be around such a game. Uh, I don't think I want to watch it with other people. Yeah, I can totally understand that. Now, how about you, Colin? What will you be doing on that day? Well, I, I was thinking like Ray because I went to watch the Burnley game with my brother and a pal, and I, I you know, I'd rather have been watching it on my own because you know you get them chatting and you get um, my, my, my friend um, and my sister-in-law, both grandparents, so they were swapping pictures of their grandkids, and uh, I like to be on my own in my own environment, and but. Then I thought I'd rather be with actually, if they're doing it in City Square and you've got a huge crowd around you, and there'll be loads of people there, I know. So uh, I'm going to do that. I'm going to be watching it. Whenever they show it, whether it's at the stadium or City Square, I'm going to be watching it there. And presumably, if it happened, Ray, that uh, trophy presentation would be uh, would be at Brighton, wouldn't it? 
expect so. Um, honestly, uh, Mike, I'm not looking that far ahead. Um, yeah. The nerves will start to jingle and jangle. And uh, I, I've not at one point this season talked about us um, up to around Christmas. I've never looked at it and said we're going to win. Um, I'm just taking it a game at a time. Attempt fate or anything. Let's play the game. Play it as well as we can and see what happens. Well, guys, we've got to do this. We've got to do this because, unfortunately, as I've just seen confirmed, the miracle of Anfield has has uh, has finished. There, it's uh, full time. It's full time. Barcelona are out. Liverpool are through. And I suppose um, for a lot of people, that's um, the least that they can claim. Because uh, I don't know if you've seen these reports. I think there was um, uh, people were saying that Liverpool should be given a a trophy for second place. Um, and, and what is one of these famous talk sport talk sport phone-ins. talk sport warriors and 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 everyone talking about what a dreadful shame it would be if Liverpool finished this season with nothing to show for it. But uh, as we see the reports on the BBC here, the one that I'm looking for, that they'll at least have a, a final to look forward to. And uh, well, that's my my next two days on Twitter. Uh, so I'm just well clear. Fortunately, I'm very busy. Absolutely, guys. I suggest I recommend that to you all. Stay away from social media. We could do we we could do without the Anfield rap poetry. But uh, on that bombshell, guys, I think we should probably uh, wrap it up here um, and uh, thank our two fellow Bolt from the Blue members. Nice to see that the newspapers have appropriated our title and splashed a big bolt from the blue yeah yeah i hope your lawyers are in touch with them yes we've got <laughs> we, we've got the intellectual property uh, lawyers on that one but uh anyway that's um that, that's free publicity for us guys but uh we uh, you know we'll 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 sort of take it but um we'll finish off here i think um and we'll just say thank you very much for the contributions of the two other members of the bolt from the blue team and we'll start off with colin savage Colin, thank you so much for coming on. Put on the old uh, tin hat and uh, knuckle down. Stay off social media and uh, try to avoid all of this uh, miracle at Anfield stuff. You, you'll, <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll do that, won't you? No, no, no. I'll be there battling for the blues. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on, Colin. Also, I uh, want to say thank you so much. Uh, we know you're very busy, Ray. Thank you for taking the time out to do this one with us. Oh, it's a pleasure, Mike. Okay. All right, guys. Well, we'll leave it there, and uh, I will be with you after the next game. There's just two games to go. There's uh, the game against uh, Brighton, when we hope to be crowned champions um, with any luck. And, of course, there's the FA Cup final. You're going to have at least two more pods uh, from us, and, of course, uh, probably um, some transfer uh, rumour ones um, throughout the summer as well. But uh, we'll just leave it there and uh, finish off in our usual way and say, have one on us, guys. Have one on us. And up those blues.